What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Ride in the Pine. Jack Rodden and I are back with you all today, and as always, we've got another awesome episode in store for everyone at home. But before I get into all of that, let's take a little dive into the last episode. I was joined by a great guest from the St. Francis men's basketball team, Max Land. Max and I got into his career starting out at high school, and what allowed his high school program to have so much success, winning 103 games and only losing seven during his four years there, what it was like arriving at St. Francis, and how he was able to make the adjustment to the college level of basketball and so much more. So if you want to go check out that episode, make sure you go check out episode 255 and all 255 episodes that are out now on all podcast platforms. Now getting into today, we're going to be joined by another guest from the minor league baseball world that has had a lot of adversity to go through during his career, but also has been able to ascend through the minor leagues. Current minor leaguer for the Oakland Athletics, Hogan Harris. Hogan and I get into his career going through all the injuries he's had to deal with and how he's been able to overcome them, what it was like this year going from not only single A to double A, but then double A to triple A, and where he felt was the biggest adjustment he had to make when going from one level to the next, and so much more. So if you want to hear a little inside scoop about the athletics organization, as well as about Hogan's career, don't go anywhere, because here comes Hogan Harris. So with that, folks, let's make our way into our show for today. So as always, be sure to find your favorite seat here on the bench with me. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And I'm here with current minor leaguer in the Oakland Athletics organization, Hogan Harris. Hogan, wonderful to have you join the show today, my friend. How's it going? I'm good, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, I really appreciate you taking a little time. I know that the season has kind of wound down for you. Now you've gotten into the off-season mode a little bit, but how was the season for you individually? I mean, how did you feel adjusting to the constant moving up that you had since you started the year in high A and you finished the year in triple A? So how was this year for you overall? Yeah, uh, it had a couple adjustments, uh, definitely ones I was happy to make, you know, since we were, since we were moving up a little by little as we kept going, uh, I actually have one more start. I'm throwing Monday and then our season ends on Wednesday. Now everyone else is done, but we got one more week here in AAA, but you know, uh, as much as I would like to get to off season, but we're not quite there yet. So in about five days, I'll be there. Awesome. Well, uh, well, that's, I mean, that's great. I mean, what's it like just kind of getting to the tail end of the season? I mean, how's, you know, I mean, I'm sure fatigue has probably been a big factor, but are you guys, you know, trying to finish out strong and, and, and get to that finish line? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the way, the way I look at it is the fact that, you know, we, I'm going to get four months off no matter what, whether I'm playing or not. So I try not to think too far ahead, you know, just one, one start at a time is kind of my motto, I guess, for that. But yeah, the fatigue is is a little bit there. But you know, it's my first full season back with no injuries or anything like that, so it's to be expected. So uh, I'm more so just happy that we're making it through with with or without fatigue. So. Well, that's great. I mean, hey, listen, I mean, your first full year back, like you said, you're obviously going to have to be, you know, getting back into the swing of things a little bit and working out those kinks. But I'm sure it's felt great to get back out on the mound. But I want to hear just since you've moved up through each level of minor leagues pretty much throughout the season, where did you notice the biggest jump from going from one level to the next? So a lot of people say it's from high to double A. Um, but in my personal opinion, I would probably say double A to triple A just because these days, it was everyone used to say hi to double A and that's because back in the day, 
people would just pretty much get pulled straight from double A to go to the big leagues most of the time, especially like the prospects, stuff like that. But nowadays there's so many moving parts that every single lineup I've pitched against in triple A has had at least probably 50% that's been in the big leagues at some point back and forth, just with the amount of ways like teams can DFA or option people, stuff like that. So there's so many options to easily move people now that the high prospects are in triple A now, like the semi veterans, veterans are just scattered throughout triple A. So I would, I would probably say that was definitely the biggest job. Yeah, I do think that the the old adage is that the high A to double A jump is kind of the the stereotypical one. But like you said, I've always felt and I just, you know, basing it off of just looking at the different levels of minor leagues, I felt that would be, you know, the biggest jump going from double A to triple A. But what is that feeling like for you just basically physically going through the minor leagues and especially all in one year? I mean, you got a taste of everything pretty much this season. So what's that like just noticing all that hard work is paying off, but also just going from one level to the next and then to the next? It's a good feeling. It's a great feeling, honestly, just because, you know, obviously you're doing well. The, the team sees that the organization sees that. Uh, and it, it does prove, you know, like going through all the rehabs after the surgery or two that I've had going through it. Uh, it's kind of seeing it come to fruition is great, but at the same time, it's as exciting as it is. I still got to remember there's still one more level to jump to. So, it's, it's definitely incredible. I mean, I, I have no complaints whatsoever about it, you know, but uh, it's still keeping that, like I said earlier, just the, the one start at a time kind of thing or else you kind of get a little bit too ahead of yourself. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at mentally about it. And I think that's a great way to, to be about it and, and to kind of, you know, that, that mental kind of approach, if you will, just taking it one step at a time and not getting too far ahead of yourself. Because like you said, if you get too far ahead of yourself, your head gets too big for your own good. And then all of a sudden things start falling apart for you. So I think that's a great approach for you. But I want to get into your career, Hogan, because you've had a very interesting journey to how you got to where you are today. Started playing collegiate ball at Louisiana Lafayette. So former Raging Cajun, want to hear what, what made you want to go to Louisiana Lafayette? So my mom was actually a two or three time all American softball player at UL. And, uh, my dad is actually the announcer for the softball games at UL. And, uh, so I, they got a little, little, uh, local store called drug Import about a block away from the field. And I lived right behind that my whole life. So we'd walk to games, do all that. It, it just kind of, uh, I guess it was kind of just in the blood. So whenever we got the opportunity to, it was tough to pass up. I mean, was there even any second thought when you had that offer on the table of going there that, that you would go anywhere else or, or had your mind completely been made up? So it was kind of between, it was kind of between two. I did a little early. So my actual big jump was post was junior year slash like post junior year, but I committed before my junior year started. Cause I was, I was the kind of hard thrown lefty, but like nothing crazy. I was like 80, 82 to 86. You know, like pretty good for like a 16 year old, but not like jump off the page. Right. So I had them and I had Mississippi State talk to me a little bit and I was going to go on an unofficial visit there. I don't even know what that means, but that's what they called it. I don't know the difference between official and unofficial, but I was going to go. Uh, do you watch football? Absolutely. Bit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. Do you remember 2014, the Ole Miss Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl that went to like quadruple overtime? I've, yes, I vaguely do remember that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, 
Well, I was supposed to be on the sidelines for that game for my unofficial visit, but my mom didn't let me go because it was Thanksgiving weekend and it was family time. So, uh, so that unintentionally kind of took Mississippi State off the table. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really, that was the only other thought I kind of had aside from UL, just because I, I have actually plenty of buddies now that have been there and played there and stuff like that. And that we're also talking to him at the same time as me. Uh, but other than them, yeah, UL was pretty much the only one on the radar at the moment. And I've well, never been a big LSU guy being from Lafayette. So, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm sure that probably, yeah, I, I don't think it would make a lot of your, your friends and family happy if you, you went to go be a Tiger. But uh, what a what a save by Thanksgiving, right? Who would have thought that a, a family holiday would have such a big impact? But I think that's, you know, again, very unique. And you always get to kind of see where the the crossroads kind of go right you find that four-way stop and you find yourself going one way or the next and you know it kind of got to you to where you are today but right when you get there at Louisiana Lafayette immediately making a big impact as a freshman and then you carried that on into as a sophomore what was it in your pitching do you feel that early on in your collegiate career was just really working for you well ironically I think freshman year might have been I guess statistically it was the worst it was still a pretty good year but not like it was the worst one I had, but it, I think I needed it. I mostly came out of the bullpen freshman year. And I think I needed that. Cause I kind of felt like, uh, the big man on campus, quote unquote, coming out of high school, stuff like that. Uh, like talking to MLB scouts in high school, like not many people get to do that. So that was kind of cool. But, uh, I think it gave me the humbling I needed to be like, yeah, you're good. You're not great though. So you'll just be in the bin for now until you figure some stuff out. But I think the biggest thing for me was that it helped was that. But also, I think most of the success kind of comes from I just have a weird split in velocity differences. And I've always had it. So I I think that would probably be my number one thing. And I think it still probably is, to be honest. Well, hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. So, I mean, if it's if it's still working for you, don't touch it. Um, But, you know, to your point, yes, it was definitely, you know, statistically, um, the numbers were not as good as your, you know, sophomore and junior year. However, mm-hmm. I mean, still as a freshman coming in division one baseball and making that type of impact, I mean, high school to college, it's a big difference. And I want to, oh, yeah. I, I mean, what was that like going from high school to college and then also going from college to the pros? I mean, would you say that those jumps are comparable or do you think that they're just two totally different, you know, ends of the spectrum? I think, I think once you get into double A, that's that's when you see a real big jump from college to uh, pro ball. But realistically, like whenever you're playing low A and high A and stuff like that, those are still the young kids, right? Like that's the younger guys slash the people like me that have been through a couple injuries. They want you to start somewhere and just get get your feet under you and then like move on from there. But I would say that I, I don't think there's a huge jump at first, only because you're playing – like I said, low, high, you're playing, you could play anyone from 17 year olds to 22, 25, you know? So yeah, it was, it was a bit of an adjustment, but also it was the fact that right when I got drafted, I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit, but right when I got drafted, I was sidelined for half a year, a year, whatever it was. So I didn't really get the immediate impact of going from it. So I kind of had a year to kind of watch and see how it played out for others and kind of just learn from that, I guess. 
Well, we can definitely touch on the the aspect of injuries and just how that's played a part in your career. Because I know during your your last year at Louisiana Lafayette, you missed a good bit of time there. And then, like you said, you missed most of what 2021 as well. So, I mean, what was that like for you just going through all of that? And then also just with all these rehabs, with all these injuries, what has it taught about yourself and showed you about yourself that you're capable of? Well, let's see. Let's see how to answer this well. It there are moments obviously where it's tough, you know, I mean, I was in college, it was the oblique thing. That was just a freak thing came out of nowhere. And I got to tell you, oblique is the most annoying thing in the world because you can't do anything to rehab it. You just kind of sit there and wait until it feels better. So that's, you just strengthen the stuff around it, but that was kind of frustrating. But you know, when we got back, we did pretty well. So that was good. And sidelined and pro ball. That was long, mentally exhausting at times. Just because, you know, you see all your friends that you get drafted with moving up the ranks, blah, 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 all that. Luckily, now at this point, I've kind of like evened it out and I've gotten pretty much back to where all my friends that are still with it are around, like the double A, triple A area. Obviously, got a few guys in the big leagues that make some quick jumps. But I would say mentally taxing, but at the same time, uh, got me a lot stronger mentally as well, I guess, in a way, you know, because whenever you have demons, you kind of got to get a little bit stronger to fight them too, whenever you go through that stuff. So the one good thing is I, I don't feel like I ever lost confidence in the pitching. Cause I knew I was like, well, when I'm healthy, I feel like I'm pretty good. You know what I mean? It was more so just getting over that hump. I had to make a few changes, lost like 30 pounds from back in college. Like, I mean, whenever I got drafted, I was 235, 240 pounds, kind of a bigger guy. And now I usually sit around 210. So just changing a health aspect helped a lot as well. So it forced me to make some changes that were necessary and they're working out pretty well so far. Well, it's great that you're able to to continue those changes. And I think the the aspect of, you know, when you're going from college to the pros, and I've talked to a lot of guys about that, they notice that they can't do the same things to their body that they did in college at no. the pro level, especially if they want to survive, right? And 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 actually have a, a thriving career that is going to take off. What were some adjustments you had to make off the field when you got to pro ball in terms of just knowing, you know, maybe when to get some rest or knowing that you're playing baseball on a much more consistent basis? I mean, what were some off-field adjustments you had to make? I had to stop eating Taco Bell. Uh, that was a sad one. I loved, I loved the good Taco Bell a few times a week in college. You know, you can, you can get a lot, a lot of bang for your buck there. In Absolutely. Absolutely. But obviously it had some uh, turmoil to the body that, you know, you, uh, you know, is happening, but at the same time, you kind of just want to ignore it. Cause it's like, well, I can get five things for eight bucks here, you know, stuff like that. But that, and I guess the, the, the partying and stuff that you tend to do in college and all that, that, that tends to uh, get windled down quite a bit as well. Now I've never been a huge party guy, I guess. Like I, I'd go to the bar with my friends every now and then, you know, but mostly that I've changed the way I eat big time is huge. And then, you know, just kind of just thinking twice before you put something in your body is pretty much what I've, done recently the last couple of years which i feel like helped a lot and again i mean i think that is it's such an important thing that athletes you know it kind of dawns on them further down the road right not when you're 21 or 22 but when you get to be 25 26 and you start saying wow i don't feel great after i eat that i'm yeah. not gonna do that anymore yeah, exactly. um, but 
during all of the, you know, rehab that you were going through, obviously COVID is sprinkled on top of all of that as mm-hmm. well. And I'm sure, you know, with, with how long you've been in the minor leagues and all the friends that you have in the minor leagues, I'm sure there was somebody you probably knew that was affected by all the cuts and changes back when the pandemic yep. first started, uh, you know, it, with COVID and whatnot in the minor leagues. What was that period like for you individually as a minor leaguer? And then also just for the people around you, I mean, what was it like to see guys, you know, potentially stop playing baseball because of it? It, yeah, it was, it was weird. It had like a weird, uh, I don't know what the word is for almost like an, uh, what's the word? It starts with an O. Ominous. Uh, there you go. I was going to say that, but I didn't know if it was right or not. So <laughs> had a weird ominous about it. Yeah. It was, it was kind of sad. I had a buddy from college that he got a chance as a free agent after the 2018 year or uh, after 2019, he was working hard was able to get something and then COVID happens and they're like, well, we just picked you up a week ago. We can't, we can't keep you and then cut people we've had for a few years that we know that we've seen a good bit and know about. So he only got a chance for a week. So that sucks. Seeing that kind of sucked. Uh, there are really no positives about it, to be honest with you. Uh, but I will say the one good thing was that it helped me it gave me time to work on a lot of things I felt like I needed to. And whether it be pitching mechanics work like not work ethic, but like the way I worked out, stuff like that, the way I ate, it kind of gave you time to think about those things instead of just go, go, go all the time. So that's the only positive. Other than that, yeah, not, not much, not much to write home about for that year. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely one I, I think we'd all like to forget about. But to your point, I mean, I'm sure it allowed you to stop for a second and say, okay, you know, maybe I do need to change something. Maybe I do need to yeah. improve or work on whatever it might be so then I can continue, you know, on and, and move forward. Now you come back and, and this, like you said, is really the first year that you've been back on the mound and, and playing in full. What was it like the first, you know, two, three outings on the mound and just kind of getting your feet wet again and then also playing in front of a crowd again? Well, you know, I, I got to a hot start. Uh, I gave up, I think two runs in the first inning I pitched back. I was like, all right, yeah, we're back. And then I went on a little streak there for a little while. So that was nice. Uh, so gosh, it's kind of weird to think back on it, I guess, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a good feeling to get the feet wet, but it was a little, uh, I think I was a little excited the first couple of times. And then I kind of figured out how to get back into myself while, while I was pitching, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. So there, are a couple, there, there are a few lessons learned along the way that we tried to make the most of. And I think that's, you know, the best way of growing. Right. And I think that you, you're probably also noticing, Hey, if I want to keep on going up and up and up the ladder, I need to do these other things on the side in order to mm-hmm. get to where I want to go. Now, when you, and I, I have to hear what this is like, just, getting called up to the AAA, right? Because you're knocking on the MLB's door right there and you are literally on the path to doing that. So what's that like for you? I mean, how did you find out that you would be getting called up? And then also just what was it like your first week there? So I got, so evidently my coaches knew for a few days before I knew. So I was like, I was a little butthurt about that. But not, not actually, you know, cause they, they always have like a certain system, the way they like to do things and just the timing of everything is pretty important for them. Um, I got called in the office one day, uh, down in, where was I? I was in Tulsa. Got called in the office. I had thrown the, I think on that Thursday, maybe 
Wednesday or Thursday. It was like the middle of the week or something. And uh, I threw, had a pretty good game. I think I gave up one, one or two maybe, uh, five, four or five innings, something like that. Decent day. And uh, evidently they're like, hey, man, uh, someone up top thinks you might be just a little bit too good for this level. So time for you to move on up. So that was an exciting thing. So I walked straight to the dugout because, you know, it was early in the day. Walked straight to the dugout, called the parents, called the wife. And that was so it was a pretty cool experience. I, I didn't expect it because I was only there for 32 innings, maybe like seven starts, I think, something like that. So it was a, it was a surprise, a great surprise. But it was pretty cool. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure it's probably a day like, and when you get called up to the MLB, those would be days that you'll never forget. Uh, and those like, yeah. I mean, Hey, you just, you pretty much uh, reiterated everything that happened on that day perfectly. So you, it, clearly it's one that you'll always remember, but I know that yeah. you, like you said, you still have a little bit more left of this season and then you're getting into the off season. What do you want to build on from this season and just kind of getting into the off season to carry over into next year? So as ironic as it sounds, as a start, don't get me wrong, I love striking people out. It's like what my favorite thing in the world. I almost hate it when they even put it in play. But as a starter, I almost want to get, I don't want to say getting my strikeout numbers down necessarily, but I need to be much more efficient. That, that's my thing that I feel like I have a problem with. I'm sure if you look at numbers, you know, it's pretty obvious. I'm going four innings, 70 pitches, something like that, pretty much every time. I'm pretty sure I have like one of the highest pitches per batter in our organization, if not the highest, which would be fine if I were a reliever or something right now. But so we need to get the consistency wise. I feel like a little bit, I like my stuff, but we got to figure out how to get this stuff over the strike zone. Just realistically get more ground balls earlier in counts, just kind of be able to lengthen out the outing. I would say it's my biggest goal this off season, figure out some command a little bit better. Well, I think that's a great goal to have. And and I think also just, you know, obviously you've got a great benchmark to go into the offseason with leaving it off at the AAA level, right? I mean, that's a great spot to start off with heading into next year and, and, and building that confidence, keeping that momentum going into next year. But Hogan, you've been awesome to get on the show today, my friend. Before I let you go, one final question. I always leave all my guests with this one. I want to hear from you. When did you kind of realize, have an epiphany, if you will, as to when you, you know, really thought and really had the aha moment that you could play baseball professionally? When did that happen for you? I think it was so after my sophomore year, like I said, I was, you know, how PG all American or whatever, like the, the PG national, that stuff, you know, how they have like 500 or a thousand people that are just a quote unquote top 500 guy. Like you see that on like so many profiles. So I was on that. So they sent me to the PG national my junior year or right before my junior year, I guess. When was it? No, after junior year. Okay. Anyways, I go to the PG National, and you know they have all the top guys. They throw early in the game, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They So then they called me, and they're like, hey, we'd like you to come. I'm like, okay, great. And I'm just pitching like the seventh inning or something like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's a decent-looking lefty. We'll throw him in the back, back half of it and see how he does. I ended up out of nowhere because the year before they saw me top out at 86. Then all of a sudden I pitched two innings in that game or five out, something like that. And I was just sitting 94 out of nowhere. Struck out, I think, the first inning, I struck out three guys on 10 pitches. And then the next inning, I think I walked a guy. As you know, that's part of my arsenal, unfortunately. Like I said, we got to shorten those a little bit. But so that happened. And then right after I got out, 
the head of PG national of PG called me up to his office and I was the first person selected for the all American game that year after they saw that. So that was pretty cool. My dad freaked out because I, I called him. I said, Hey, I need you to come to the dugout. He's freaking out. Obviously he's like, Oh, did you, did you hurt something? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Come see. So we go down before we actually go up top, go upstairs. We walk through the tunnel. Cause I think it's at jet blue, right? Or it used to be at jet blue. I don't know where it is now, but it was at jet blue in Florida. And I walked down into the locker room and they immediately get me fitted for my Jersey and stuff over there. And then I went up top and I shared a meatball sub with the uh, owner of the PG. So I guess that was the first time that I really had that. Oh, wow. That's uh, I got a chance at this. That was probably the first time. Well, my friend, you've really made it into uh, an incredible career. You've gone through quite a bit and you're, Hey, literally knocking at the door with the major league. So I wish you nothing but luck moving forward, finish out strong, obviously, but good luck moving into the off season. And uh, also as always, would love to get you back on the show. Thanks for stopping by today. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And there he goes, Hogan Harris, another fantastic episode today, everyone. Thanks for joining me here on the bench. Be sure to keep following and subscribing to Ride in the Pine on Apple and Spotify, and keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine 20, RTP all capital, Instagram at Riding underscore the underscore pine underscore, and on TikTok at Ride in the Pine all lowercase. For all the latest updates on episodes and content to come, all 255 episodes are out now. Keep leaving those ratings and reviews, and more importantly, folks, keep your eyes and ears open for more content and more guests coming out here on RTP. But once again, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next time on Riding the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.